Um, so I'm doing something tonight that I never, ever do, and that is I am trusting technology with my notes. So if it decides to cut out on me and I go into left field, y'all just come on with me, okay? If I lose my notes in the middle of this, we'll just see what happens. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Well, it's working so far. In January of 1953, a brand new song came across the airwaves that forever changed popular music, not just in the United States, but around the world. And that may seem like I'm really blowing this out of proportion, but the song was Your Cheatin' Heart, and the artist was Hank Williams. That song has become synonymous with country music and influenced not just other country artists, but people as far ranging as the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, people all the way down through modern artists today can draw influence and inspiration from your cheating heart. For anybody who's ever thought country music is nothing but a bunch of tear in my beer, sad, slobbing, tear jerkers like George Jones would say, well, you're mostly right. And Hank Williams and your cheating heart is mostly to blame for that stereotype. Because Hank Williams wrote from his lived experience, a lot of hard times and hard living, a lot of his songs deal with those common human emotions of sorrow and sadness, abandonment, sickness. What's really interesting about this is this song, Your Cheatin' Heart, became Hank Williams' signature song. It's a song that's associated with the man. When we think of the man, we think of the song. And the song was actually released a couple weeks after he died on New Year's Eve night, 1952, in the back of a Cadillac at age 29. The man never saw the fame that his song brought him, and the last words that he gave the world were songs of sadness from his final recording session. When we think of country music, we kind of can think of it as white folks' blues, and that's not because black folks can't sing country music too. It's that country music comes from this white rule uh, place of, of abandonment, of poverty, of substance abuse, of things that you hear in country songs. But what's really interesting about country music, and in particular about Hank Williams. And y'all are going to say, why are you harping on Hank Williams? I'm getting there, okay? What's really interesting about Hank Williams, though, is that his biggest song, Your Cheatin' Heart, is almost as well known as another huge song that he wrote, a song that has become a gospel standard, I Saw the Light, a song that celebrates salvation, a song that celebrates the highest point that his soul had reached. I saw the light. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Now, some folks would be quick to cry hypocrisy here. How can a man sing songs about drinking beer and spouses cheating on him and cheating on their spouses and all of these sorts of things and at the same time in the same, in the same performance sing a song like I saw the light? We may be tempted to call Hank Williams a hypocrite, but I, I want us to slow down a minute. I think maybe that's not quite right. And I think that Jeremiah, the author of the book of Lamentations, would agree with me on this. Let me tell you why. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, okay? He, he had a penchant for complaining, we could say. Uh, 
Uh, most of the book of Jeremiah is his prophecy that God had given him to the people of Israel about the destruction that was sure to come if they would not repent and return to the Lord. God had promised destruction. Jeremiah proclaimed this word, and in the midst of that, he also addressed his complaints to God. In the book of Jeremiah, he asked God to kill him at one point. In the book of Jeremiah, he tells God that the job of a prophet is too hard, and he attempts to quit on the job at least once or twice in the book. And in fact, in literature today, we have a genre called a Jeremiad, which the, de the dictionary definition is a long, mournful complaint. We could think of Jeremiah as a country singer, and Lamentations is his song. What's interesting about this is it's not that Jeremiah like, was set to become the patron saint of manic depressants. Okay? That wasn't what he was going after. He wasn't trying to do this. In fact, a lot of prophets in the Old Testament had negative messages for the people of God. They all proclaimed, here's what will happen if you do not repent and return. Jeremiah had the unfortunate circumstance of actually living through the destruction that happened because repentance didn't come. So Jeremiah experienced the fulfillment of these very destructive prophecies. And that led him into this place of darkness. And in fact, in one of these verses, where was it? Let me see. He says, God has brought me, in verse 2 of chapter 3 of, of Lamentations, God has driven and brought me into darkness without light. Jeremiah finds himself at the bottom of this soul pit where he cannot even find his way out. And if we would be even so bold to say, when he complains about the destruction that Israel has faced, he doesn't do so from a place of innocence. As we were just talking about in the book of Revelation, there is judgment that comes that is well warranted. This judgment is just. This destruction is just. And Jeremiah spends, five, or spends uh, four out of the five chapters of Lamentations complaining about the destruction, crying out to God, fix this, heal this, redeem us, restore us, and recognizing all the while that the people of Israel were guilty and deserved the destruction that they were experiencing. I mean, honestly, it's a heartbreaking book. It's a heartbreaking book. And so Jeremiah really had no other option but to become the weeping prophet. You know, that was really what was going to happen with him. He was going to proclaim the coming judgment of God, and then he was going to have to live through it as well. So like all of us, even when we're to blame for our misfortunes and for the judgment carried out upon our sins, when we reap the consequences of our wrong actions, Jeremiah stands as a companion to us. He knows what it's like. And we have this book in the Bible to see that, that there are others who have experienced the utter abandonment, the, the, the sadness, the destruction, the sorrows that life can bring. Jeremiah has felt the sting of abandonment. He's seen his friends and family die and be carried away from, by foreign hands. He documents all this destruction. As I said, so Lamentations is a short book. Let me just give you a little like rundown here. Five chapters. Chapters 1, 2, 4, and 5 are pretty much nothing but Jeremiah complaining. They're really, you know, if you want to like, if there's parts of it you want to skip over, skip over those four and read chapter 3, which was where our call to worship came from. Chapter 3, 
Jeremiah gives a little bit of a tonal shift. So he spends four out of the five chapters moaning the blues like Hank Williams. And he spends chapter three giving us a glimmer of hope, giving us a little light in that pit of darkness. Jeremiah does more than just complaining. In this chapter three, we see this whole shift in his tone in which Jeremiah stirs his soul to the remembrance of God's steadfast love. It's interesting. He doesn't cover up the fact that God is the author of the destruction that Israel has seen. He's very blunt and perfectly honest about that. He, in fact, you know, there are some times I would think that honestly, that we would rather Jeremiah say, God has left us and is not with us anymore in these bad times. Let's pray that God comes back to us in the good times. But Jeremiah doesn't really say that. He says that God is just as present in that destruction, in those hard times, in the bad times, as he is present in the good times. Let me just give you a few of these verses. He, he says, uh, like I said, in verse 2, he says, God has driven and brought me into darkness without light. God has done that. God has driven me and brought me into darkness without light. He says in verse 9, God has blocked my way with hewn stones. God has made my paths crooked. In verse 38, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and bad come? If I'm being honest, some of those verses make me a little bit uncomfortable. That's not how I would rather portray God in my mind. I would rather not say bad things come from the hand of God. If we are honest with ourselves, we, we might would, would agree with that. I would rather not have God be the originator of the bad times. But Jeremiah tells us, from the mouth of the Most High, both good and bad come, yet in the midst of this, he also proclaims this good news just as boldly, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great, O Lord, is your faithfulness. Make no mistake, nothing happens that does not come from the hand of God. But Jeremiah in Lamentation shows us that our sorrow can be an entryway, a gateway to our salvation. In the entirety of our existence, it's really fortuitous that we were just talking about this with Revelation. We would consider some things good and some things bad, and we would try to portray that back to God and say, God is doing this bad thing. God is doing this good thing. We, we make ourselves the judge of God and his actions. What Jeremiah tells us in Lamentation is that those judgments of good and bad, those are ours. But if, if we cannot see from a God's eye view, we really have no ground to stand on of saying this is bad and this is good. Instead, we can only sit and humbly say this is from the hand of God. And I trust that his mercies are new every morning, that his steadfast love never ceases. So when we find ourselves in those circumstances of abandonment, of sorrow, of destruction, of sadness, even when they are just and the due consequences of our actions, we can say God's love is still the foundation behind this. God's love is still working in the midst of us. God has not abandoned me. God will never abandon me. God's goodness, his love, his faithfulness, his mercy, these are the things that endure. 
And as Jeremiah points out, God does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. But the affliction and the grief, that sorrow and destruction, these things that Jeremiah lays out so painfully in this book of Lamentations, what he tells us is these are not ends of themselves, but they are means to a greater end. They are means to draw us unto salvation, to bring us to that point of repentance, to open for us the door through which we may walk hand in hand with our Savior. Instead of relying on ourselves to provide in the midst of this, we can rely on God for our preservation. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm I'm tempted to think of Jeremiah in the same as you might think of Hank Williams. I am kind of tempted to think of Jeremiah as the hypocrite who can spend most of his book talking about how bad things are and then turn around and give us, but God is faithful, God is just, God is kind, God's love never ceases. I would be tempted to say, that's a little hypocritical, Jeremiah. You might want to tone that down. You know, it seems a little off balance. You might want to cheer it up a little bit. Jeremiah would not have been a popular pastor today. You know what I mean? Like he would not be writing live your best life now books. No one would have bought Jeremiah's book if it was on the shelf today. But what we can say is we might have listened to Jeremiah's song because this this blues that Jeremiah sings, this, this heartache that comes through lamentations is something that hits us here at a soul level, it connects with us when we feel the blues ourselves. when we have those moments of, of feeling like we're in the pit of darkness with no light. There's something in our soul that connects to Jeremiah's soul that says, I, I've walked that road you're walking. And that's where Jeremiah can open up that crack to let a little light in, to tell us that there is still hope, that even in the midst of that destruction, even in the midst of that darkness, There is still a God who is eternally faithful. So this whole thing, this whole series that we're going through is what is the good news of each book, right? What is the good news of lamentation? And on one level, you can say the good news of lamentation is just that, that that God's love never ceases, that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And that is certainly the good news of lamentations. But on another level, The good news of lamentations is that lamentations exist in the first place. God is big enough for our joy and our good times and for our complaints and our bad times too. I don't know about you, but I grew up as a pastor's kid. Josh, your kids are not here. They need to hear this. What I heard growing up is that God loves a cheerful heart. Now, how that got internalized in my little preacher's kid brain was when you come to church, everything's good, right? You don't share all that stuff that happened last night at home, right? You, don't, you, you come to church and you put your halo on. And inadvertently, what it taught me was when you come into the church doors, you now hide your reality behind a facade of everything's cool. Because God would rather see you be happy and joyful and worship him with your hands raised than to see you crying and complaining about something that you shouldn't be. If any of you grew up with any kind of false notion of that, let me help you break that tonight. God can handle your complaints 
and would rather have you complain to him than lie to him and pretend like everything's good. Is that all right for y'all? God would rather you be authentically vulnerable with him and complain to him than for you to lie to him and pretend everything is good. What Lamentations teaches us, it's in the Bible, I truly believe, to show us that lesson. To show us that God's love is big enough to embrace the good times and the bad times in our life. To embrace the good circumstances and the bad circumstances. Even to embrace the good and the bad that is in you. God will take it all. And what we know is that when God came and dwelt among us and took on flesh, he took on every bit of human life the good and the bad, even going so far as to be the one who knew no sin becoming sin for our sake on the cross. God took it all in. And don't think for a minute that because he did it once, he won't do it again for you because he absolutely will. Whatever good, whatever bad, whatever high, whatever low you find yourself in, bring it to God because he can handle it. That's the good news of Lamentations. And even when we cannot understand, when troubles beset us and circumstances overwhelm us, the God who is eternal love never leaves us. And even in the midst of darkness, in the depths of darkness, we can say with Jeremiah, praise the Lord, I saw the light. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In my tradition, I would usually say something like, go in peace and serve the Lord. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I would close it. Womble, do you have something to close this with? Thanks be to God. <laughs>